Good morning. I'm so glad you could be with me today. Today is Easter Day. The early church recognized it by greeting one another by saying, He is risen and responding back, He is risen indeed. Why all that excitement? Why was Easter so significant? Well, that's what we've been looking at. Today, we conclude nine sessions examining Christ's death and resurrection, all of which are preparing us as a capstone for today to know why the church celebrates, why we're supposed to celebrate the wonder of the resurrection. We've been looking at 1 Corinthians 15 yesterday, and we'll continue at it today, to understand some of the significance of the resurrection. We learned yesterday in 1 Corinthians 15 that the resurrection, physical resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ is central to the gospel message. You do not have a gospel message without a physically resurrected Savior. Now I'm going to pick up our reading today in verses 12 to 20. Now if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say there's no resurrection from the dead? But if there's no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. We are even found to be misrepresenting God because we testified about God that he raised Christ, whom he did not raise, if it's true the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. And then those who fall asleep in Christ have perished. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who've fallen asleep. One of the great ironies about the resurrection in Easter Sunday, it is the central pivot point of the Bible. And yet for many people, it is, it is like a ho-hum issue. Their response to it is, well, what does it really matter? You know, you get all excited about some something that doesn't even sound credible to me. Why does it even matter? Uh, let's just love people and try to be privately religious in whatever way we can. Well, this passage tells us why it matters and why the physical resurrection of Christ is central to everything. So far, we've seen that if he was not raised from the dead, if Jesus Christ was not resurrected on Easter Sunday, our preaching is useless to people and faith is useless. It saves no one. And we ended yesterday by talking about the fact that because the resurrection is so central to the scriptures and repeated in so many places that essentially the Bible ceases to be a trustworthy document for us, if the resurrection has not occurred, if it didn't occur, then if it's wrong about that, it could be wrong about other things. The Bible rises and falls together. Let's continue in looking at these reasons now why it matters. In verse 17, it says, if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. We talked about that. You're still in your sins. If Christ has not been raised from the dead, your sins have no solution. He didn't go to the cross just to set us an example of self-sacrifice. He went to the cross because there was no other answer for our sin. And when he said it's finished on the cross, if it really wasn't finished, then we're still in our sins. This cross and the resurrection intimately connect together. He then goes on and he says, 
if the dead in Christ are lost, I mean, if, if he has not risen, then that those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. In other words, all of those that we love who have placed their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior, trusting in the message of the cross and the resurrection, they're still lost. God didn't let them be saved because they were sincere, one of the great misunderstandings of our current world. Sincerity doesn't save anybody. Christ saves people, and his salvation is tied to our repentance and faith in the revealed gospel. The dead in Christ are still lost. And if Christ has not been raised, he says, if we have hope in this life only, we of all people should be most to be pitied. Brothers and sisters, a misplaced faith is not to be praised, but pitied. There is nothing valuable in people believing something if what they're believing is false. It is just pitiful. And I would expect and want people to pity me if my confidence in the revealed truth about the cross and the resurrection was not the truth, because I would be worthy of pity in such a case. But you notice how the passage ends in verse 20, but in fact, I like the way it says that, but in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who've fallen asleep. Christ did raise from the dead. All of those what-ifs have been answered, and all of the central reasons why the resurrection is so important are clear. It is a fact, not a wish or a dream. And brothers and sisters, I say this advisedly, but listen to me. Those who do not accept not only the death of Christ, but his physical resurrection from the dead are not Christians in the New Testament sense of the word, nor are they saved. It is that central. It is that important. Well, let's conclude our look at these things in preparation for celebration on this Easter day by considering for a moment what the resurrection proves. We've talked about why it's important. Let's talk a little bit about what it proves to us. Number one, certainly the resurrection proves to us this all-important principle that there is life after death. That idea that, well, this world is all it is, you cease to exist, all of that, baloney. <laughs> the scripture says it's appointed unto man once to die and after that to face judgment. I mean, there is no after that if death is the end of things. The resurrection of Christ is intimately woven into the reality that there is life after death. The question is, are we ready for the accountability of that life? That's why Hebrews 9.27 says it's appointed unto man once to die. After that comes judgment. You know, but the resurrection of Jesus Christ confirms something else. One of the central claims of Christ throughout the Gospels is that he was the Son of God. The Son of God. Romans 1, verse 4 says this, He, meaning Jesus Christ, was declared to be the Son of God in power according to the Spirit of holiness. How? By his resurrection from the dead. The resurrection of Jesus Christ on that Easter morning so long ago confirmed to us in unassailable logic, Jesus is who he claimed he was. He is the very Son of God. 
How do I know it? Well, because Jesus said it. Then the resurrection proves he wasn't lying or deceived about it. Resurrection, pretty important issue, isn't it? By the way, his resurrection also proves that his death on the cross actually paid for my sins. When he said it's finished, it was finished. Think how it's put in Romans chapter 4, verses 23 and 25, and especially 25, he was delivered up for our sins and raised for our justification. As he was raised from the dead, we could be justified, meaning the perfect life of Jesus could be credited to us and our sins placed upon him. The resurrection is the affirmation from God that, yes, it is finished. The work on the cross is sufficient. Sin has a solution. It also proves something else. That relationship with Jesus Christ is not empty terminology, but it's a great possibility. We serve a risen Savior. One of the great old hymns was, We serve a risen Savior. He's in the world today. We serve a risen Savior, which means we can actually know him in relationship, not just know about him, but know him because he's living. He is living. He is living. By the way, 1 Corinthians 15 goes on beyond the verses I read to you to affirm to us that Christ's resurrection proves to us that we will be resurrected. We are the first fruits. <laughs> He's the first fruits, but we will be resurrected because of his resurrection. Great promises to us. Finally, however, one other thing I want to say. In, nine, in Hebrews 9.27, which I've shared with you several times this morning, it warns us that after death, face judgment. The resurrection of Jesus Christ ultimately proves to us accountability before God is real. Notice how Paul puts it in Acts chapter 17 when he was speaking in Athens at Mars Hill, the center for the philosophers. Verse 31, chapter 17 of Acts, because he has fixed a day, talking about God, that he will judge the world in righteousness by the man he has appointed. And of all of this, this promise of judgment, he has given assurance to all men by raising him from the dead. The physical resurrection of Jesus Christ is intimately connected to the warning of judgment before the God who is really there. Accountability before God is real. <laughs> is the resurrection central? No wonder the early church said he is risen. Then people responded, he is risen indeed. And I challenge you, have you placed your faith in the risen Savior? And if not, don't let this Easter day go by without beginning the next stage of your life that goes into eternity, saying, I have repented and believed in the one who is not only the one who died for me, but rose from the dead. Remember John eleven twenty five, and I'll end with these words. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Trust in that one for now and eternity. God bless.